Sometimes life can feel like one big project, constantly trying to put the pieces together. What if I told you it's okay to be a mess? Life is a journey and we must transform ourselves into who we want to become. We start by knowing who we are and with the relentless pursuits of our passion and purpose. How did I do it? With a lot of help from my friends. And we'll talk about all of that right here on The Beautiful Butterfly Project. This journey of life as a human being is challenging. Every challenge can be met and handled with effortless ease when we are directly connected to the light of a higher self. When we choose to build a good relationship with our heart and align ourselves with our power, we see all things from a higher perspective. From Lamtha Rajkumar said this. In addition, authentic inspiration endows individuals with mental or spiritual energy, which they are then able to transform into positive action. It can make all the difference between a man, woman, or child, allowing despair or permanently paralyze any dreams that we may have for our lives. Or it's simply exercising the sufficient strength of will to make those dreams a reality. Abrajani from The Journey Through the Power of the Rainbow said this. And today on The Beautiful Butterfly Project, our guest Raj Devi will share with us her powerful journey from traumatic experiences early on in life to finding purpose in the divine and in her spirituality and sharing that journey with others. We'll talk about all that right here on this episode of The Beautiful Butterfly Project. Raj Devi is a heartfelt yoga teacher, curtain leader, mantra musician, and well-being therapist. She has been in the healing arts world since a young child growing up in ancient Morabi healing practices of New Zealand. She comes from a lineage of tribal healers and leaders. Raj Devi has been trained in a variety of healing arts, including Buddhist meditation, Taoist Tantra, and Hindu Vedic yoga practices. She shares classes, workshops, and retreats internationally. She is currently living in Southern Spain. She loves sharing these practices with others and has been doing so for nearly 20 years. She has devoted her life to these ancient yoga paths and will take you on a journey of the mind, body, and soul, connecting to one's original nature and cultivating sacred inner awareness. The Beautiful Butterfly Project is so happy and honored to welcome Raj Devi to the show. The Beautiful Butterfly Project welcomes Raj Devi to the show. Hello, Raj. How are you today? Hello, Nicole. I'm very good. And thank you for having me on this podcast, The Beautiful Butterfly. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to have you. And just with complete transparency, you and I um, had a chance to meet last year in beautiful Marbella, Spain, and we took a little adventure together. But before we even get into all that, will you tell who I call the Butterfly Nation a little bit more about who you are? Sure. So hello, Butterfly Nation. (laughs) 
Yes, I'm Braj Davy. So I was brought up in New Zealand, and that was kind of my foundational years of coming from a very natural environment, a very special and very spiritual place in New Zealand. Because my ancestry is mixed of genetics, but Maori is one of the genetics that are in the mix, which is the original people of New Zealand. They have a very deep, deep spiritual understanding of divinity, which I was really drawn to through the nature of New Zealand. So spirituality has been in my life since I was a very young girl, coming from a lineage of uh, tribal healers and leaders. So that kind of started me on the spiritual journey. Then when I was 18 years old, I moved to Thailand, which was the first non-Western country that stole my heart really from the beginning. And that's when I got introduced into the Buddhist teachings. They really drew me right in straight away. So I got deep into that, progressively went into the yoga world, the healing world of the ancient Indian wisdoms, and also the Taoist tradition of China. So a kind of a culmination of all of these ancient wisdoms came together and just really turned my life around. And I've dedicated my life to the mind, body, spirit world since I was yeah, 18, 19 years old, studying first and then becoming a teacher and specifically a woman's wellness therapist. That is so much and it's so amazing. And I can't wait to delve into it a lot more. What I really love about it is that when you talk about your heritage and your spirituality and your lineage and where you come from and how at an early age you were introduced to spirituality and all that it encompasses. And one thing that on my spiritual journey that I started Oh, goodness, I just had a 50th birthday. So let me think when I was 38 and you're talking about the mind, body and spirit aspect. Talk to us a little bit about the mind, body and spirit and how that has shaped you to be who you are. Yeah, well, the mind, body, and spirit, it's, it's a huge thing because the mind, when you're younger, you don't know how much power the mind really holds. I mean, in schools, they're not teaching you mind training. They're teaching you numbers and sciences, and these are all valid. But mind training is something that I certainly delved into much deeper when I was in my later teens, so the eight from 18 years old. And I was amazed by um, the way that certain Buddhist monks, when I was exposed to that first, how completely solid they seemed and really on purpose. And they were moving in such a way that was really uh, mesmerizing to witness because as we know, living in the Western world, it's very scattered and kind of like here, there, everywhere, fast racing around and seeing these Buddhist monks and Buddhist nuns in a very purposeful, but not strict way, soft, you know, they were actually very funny as well. They had a great personalities, but the way that they maneuvered their life was very much integrated because of the mind training. As we know, it all starts from within. And then when the inner world is not in balance, then it comes out with bodily problems. And we can name a number of those things and ailments, mind, body, and then the spiritual 
aspects of the world we live in has turned away, unfortunately, from the spiritual foundation of who we truly are. This is linked into my passion and purpose of really <laughs> um, helping people connect again without the dogmatic approach of perhaps other religions that have, through just terrible management of certain individuals who have smeared the message of divinity that has come and does come through many great divine souls, that those messages get blurred out because of the wrong people in charge. <laughs> yes, I completely understand that. And you talk about the mindset, you talk about mindfulness and just being still and talking about purpose. When we talk about purpose, you know, I ultimately think that it's the person we're ultimately meant to become and who we're meant to be. But there's a path, there's a road, there's a journey in order to get there. And we all had that one experience that we can kind of pinpoint that we knew like, aha, this is the path that I'm going to be set out on. Do you have that one experience? Absolutely. The one experience that really shook me to my core and turned my entire life around was when I was 22 years old, when my sister went missing and passed away. Oh my goodness. Yeah. There was four of us. So there was, I had three sisters growing up, my best friends my whole life. She in particular, we were only two years apart. So we were going through very similar things at similar times. Even though she was two years older than me, I was more like her protector because she was a very sensitive soul. When that happened, my entire world was, I was shaken. It was the biggest traumatic experience that I've ever experienced. It broke me on every level, mind, body, spirit. So when that happened, I remember a specific moment when I had my sister. She came to me in a vision. I mean, it was probably a month after I had gotten back to New Zealand. And this is in my book, Spiritual Revolution. There's a huge story involved with my sister going missing of actually people who had failed her, who were very close to helping this poor young woman who was in a desperate state of help. And instead of those people choosing to help, they chose not to. The whole story surrounding it was, it's not just my sister, but it's women all around the world have experienced a certain something in society, a breakdown in society of really wanting to take care of women and instead not really actually doing that and doing the opposite and pushing women down. So that in itself was like Ramdas says, fierce grace. There's a beautiful documentary that Ramdas made when he came through his stroke. The fierceness because it's the trauma and yet this grace emerges and that's the beauty of, of life and how the divine is always with us through all of these times of struggle and how it put me on my path of woman's empowerment because, you know, I couldn't save my sister, but I knew that I could help other women. And that's what I devoted my life to when I was 22 and have stopped doing all the things that were not so healthy on my path and really uh, turned my life around. I don't think I was expecting that <laughs> as your answer. It's so beautiful in a couple of ways. Number one, it's beautiful in that out of that traumatic experience for you, 
you were able to find purpose and meaning in it and find your path. And not only for yourself, but for other women. And secondly, it helped you in a way as your healing journey and you're close with an individual, close with your sister. And even though you are a couple of years apart, you felt like you were her protector and that when someone is hurt, then you feel hurt. When someone passes away, then that leaves a wound with us. And so that is so amazing on both of those fronts. So when you talk about women and you talk about the feminine and um, you talk about the whole aspect of mindfulness, now how does mindfulness help with the feminine and help with the woman on a healing spiritual journey? I am very curious about that because I know that some of what we talked about last year in Spain and I, and I learned a lot, which helped open my eyes. And so if you would just share a little bit about that with the Butterfly Nation. Yeah. So first and foremost, I think that the connection to the great mother, mother nature is something that whether you know how to meditate, whether you even know what mindfulness is, it doesn't matter. You can just go and sit anywhere outdoors, whether you sit down or you take your shoes off for a few moments and be barefoot anywhere in nature and you just sit, just sit and just observe. You don't even have to close your eyes if you don't feel up to doing that. And just look and really look and actually allow yourself to bear witness to the divine creation that is right in front of us. And that in itself, like for me, uh, I always say to people that my first temple of worship was in Mother Nature when I was a young girl. You know, me and my sisters, we were naturally like little fairies of the forest because we also had very, very tumultuous upbringing in a household of a very abusive father. But then we would just kind of escape and go in the, across the next door neighbor's fence into this little mini rainforest. And somehow we were, we were sitting there and we would feel energy or we would start to sing. And children in general, children of God, you know, as we all are, but at, at a young age, we don't have all those filters. We don't have all these barriers or judgments or self disrespect or, you know, all these kind of nervousness about life. It's like children are free and they're flowing. And so these kind of characteristics are certainly being with the mother, the feminine, the mother earth reconnection to that is one of the quickest and most healing ways to connect yourself. And especially for women nowadays, I mean, I know that equality is something that is not, it's a big issue still because women, we sometimes feel that then we have to be more masculine and, and fight, kind of fight to get something. But that certainly, actually, it's the opposite in many ways because the power of the feminine, she is super powerful and she does not need to fight. She is this incredible, she's like a river of wisdom and grace and that in itself is the power and that there's a completely different consciousness about it that she will hold herself in a way that she is equal. Like I love these stories from the Maori tradition in New Zealand before the British came and colonized New Zealand, there was equality. There was no question of masculine and the man being above a woman until the British came and then the Maori men were like, oh, okay, yeah, we, we'll get into some of that <laughs> right <laughs> you know power and control but before that before right. the British came we're talking only a few hundred years ago because it's not a long history of the British in New Zealand 
was women held powerful positions. They were leaders. They owned their own land. They um, could have many husbands and, you know, same for the men. They could have wives. It was, it was a different situation. They were revered as some of the best healers in the communities. There just was no such thing as inequality at all. They were great warriors. The women were just as great warriors as the men. And so this is a really interesting concept when I've delved into my history more and some of the amazing women who are in my ancestry. It really helped me actually on my journey when I went through what I went through with my sister and losing her. And I actually moved back to live in my tribal lands and started to learn more, more of the ancient prayers and the wisdoms and hearing the stories. It inspired my journey in a huge way for the woman's empowerment to start truly taking place in my life. So really that invoking of powerful women is available to all of us because I know in all the ancestry of women at the essence before a long time ago when women were held in a revered position. And it means we now in this day and age, we can hold ourselves in a position, not what society says is what an empowered woman is, what you as an individual and knowing that your power is softness as well as the strength. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because what you've said is that prior to someone coming in and telling us who and what we should be or what we should do, that women were leaders of civilizations, that women had uh, positions of power, that we knew who we were and that we knew what we wanted until someone comes in and puts a definition on that, puts a label on that, that puts their certain aspect of who and how that should be is when we start to conform. Yes. And when we start to conform, we lose who we are and then we lose our path and therefore throws us off our journey, which in all intent and purposes, it causes us to lose vision of who we are. So that is so powerful in what you shared. And so in your women's empowerment and in your profession and what you do, I know you have a beautiful and lovely voice. I bore witness to that on a catamaran <laughs> on the Mediterranean Sea last year with using your voice and leading us in guided meditations and chants. So how did you get into your musical journey and using that in your practice of spirituality? Certainly, again, it started as a, ch a young girl uh, singing the Maori chants and prayers and beautiful. The Maori language is a, is a very powerful, beautiful vibration. And also, you know, pop music as well. And just, just loving to sing and express in that way. Madonna, I think, was the thing that me and my sisters were into when we were <laughs> little girls. And dancing yeah. as well, because I've seen you dance too. Singing and dancing. I've seen you have your moves and singing and dancing. Yes. <laughs> so started young and then as soon as I came into like the Buddhist chanting, the Hindu Vedic chanting of the yoga world, it was immediate. I loved it straight away. Like in every ancient culture and even to this day in churches or in mosques, the beautiful singing that takes place. It's a powerful thing to unite our voices in these ancient languages. They're very, very powerful. And in particular, because Sanskrit, because I've delved so deeply into the Indian traditions, the Sanskrit chanting for me is 
one of the most powerful spiritual practices I've ever done because you incorporate so much of the different practices within that because, you know, it's sitting, you have a certain breath, a full breath continuously going on. So it's a breathing practice as well. And it's the vibration, as we all know, we are vibration. And I like to say in my music sessions, sacred music sessions, is that it's like a radio station. Back in the old days, we used to like fiddle around with the knob to tune into the, get the right tuning. It's exactly the same for us that there is divine, divine FM <laughs> going on all around <laughs> us. And then there's also can be, you know, crackly FM. And there's like other things that, that you can tune into. And it certainly is a choice. And these powerful practices from these ancient wisdoms, we are using these tools that have been used for thousands and thousands of millennia. And it's tuning you nearly immediately out of your mind stuff, the chat, chit, chat, chatter of the monkey mind. It's like a nearly immediate tuning into the divine FM and you can be held for an hour, two hours, whatever it is for the period of time that you're sitting with that or even two minutes in the morning if you don't have time to really tune into the right station. Because again, when you're sitting and chanting or whatever music uplifts you, but I would recommend Sanskrit chanting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but just to tune in and to really, to notice how something is shifting within you. Do your own research. Try it out. Use different music and see what happens to you or see how your day is then affected once you have done a bit of chanting or maybe how does your mood shift? Discover it for yourself. I certainly, after many, many years now, 20 years of, of Sanskrit chanting, it's one of the most powerful practices I've ever experienced. Very healing, like I said, very transformative and instant, very quickly as well. You know, it's, it's quite a fast, it can tune you in in a quick way. I haven't chanted a whole lot when I was introduced to it last year and I'm spending time with you. I had prior to that done some meditation and for 30 days, I started my day with meditation and ended my day with meditation. And I had gotten up to 35 Great. minutes, which is huge for me because here in the States and probably all around the world, the first thing we do is pick up a cell phone, right? The first thing when we get out the bed, we turn our cell phone on because like you said, we're here, we're there with the busyness of life. And I just decided that I was in this place and just personally and professionally where I felt stuck. And there was something that I needed to do that my mastermind leader had suggested that for the next 30 days, let's do this. And there's probably going to be some writings coming from that of everything that I experienced during that time. But you are so correct in that it can center you. You could be there for, you know, an hour or so, and it doesn't feel like that. So I'm going to have to introduce chanting into that. And with everything with your singing, because you have a couple of CDs out, and I was so fortunate enough to have one of those, and it's really beautiful with your singing and your music and with your women's empowerment, what compels you as an individual, as a woman, to share that with others? What makes you so passionate about it? Like I said, once my sister left, it was it was very obvious to me. It was the worst time in my life, but it was actually some of the most powerful spiritual experiences I've ever had happened around that time. And so for me, the spiritual connection and the 
absolute knowing without any doubt that God exists. And I know God is a heavy word for a lot of people because of the, all the different things that have happened in society, especially, you know, a lot of in the name of God, war, whatever, you know, obviously God's not in charge of that. But because of that, it's become heavy, but spiritual energy, the divine, whatever you wish to call it or not call it, that there is an energy present and it is real and it is not something made up in whoop whoop kind of thing. This is a very powerful truth about who we are. And all the clients that I've worked with, I mean, some of them are already spiritual, but a lot of women are disconnected from that spiritual part of themselves. And of course, I, I always ask permission before I start chanting with my bowls over them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of them are, it's like, oh, okay, oh, I don't mind. And so they, they try it out. And then when I do it, I mean, some women, they cry, they have a, an emotional release or they stay quiet and then they wait till the end to say, wow, like what were you chanting or wanting to know what the mantra was? And because it's always different, it's it's whatever is in the moment for me, it, it just comes through me because, you know, we are the instruments of God. We are the instruments of the divine. Ultimately, actually, all of us are. So that's wonderful, you know, that someone can be touched, something shifts, they feel an energy because it's so, so much of everything that is going on is the unseen, but it is certainly present. It is certainly there for all of us. And we may seek a refuge in, I don't know, the TV or an alcohol or whatever, because there's a many, many things that we can distract ourselves in and take shelter or take refuge in. But the greatest shelter, the greatest refuge is this incredible spiritual divine energy that is with us and is in and all around us and all it is is that we have forgotten and when we remember we are love we are loved we are safe we are protected at all times always through all circumstances whatever is going on that our connection is never lost we just forget and it's not so hard to return to that and when we return to our spiritual refuge that is when great things great healing can take place in your life you can be living a more authentic true life because you know who you truly are it is not the externals that define us it is that spiritual connection that is the truth of who we are. And that is more important. And that's all the greatest people who you'll read about in my book, Spiritual Revolution. These people have inspired me and we can inspire one another for remembering who you truly are. That's amazing. And I cannot wait to talk about your book. And we will talk about that. I am so excited. But when we talk about statements of affirmation, you know, you have a lot of people that when they get up in the morning, they have these affirmations or um, purpose statements that they make that helps them along their um, day. Do you have any one affirmation that you repeat to yourself on a daily basis? Yeah, I probably would say on a daily basis, because I'm doing this quite often throughout the day, because I do it every time before I meet a client or when I have, when I'm about to begin a session inside of myself, I'm saying that my beloved divine, please make me your instrument of love and light. And that's really what would be my statement for sure. I love it. 
be an instrument of love and light because it's all about spreading great energy and just this beautiful energy to um, be of service to others. So that's so important. And when we talk about influences in our life, I know that I have a couple of good influences and I'm working on myself being my own greatest influence. Do you have anyone in your life that has influenced you to be on this journey of empowerment? It's hard to say one because in right absolutely <laughs> as you will read there's been a lot of great inspirations in my life and who are no longer with us but in the body but they are still with me in particular when I think about this straight away is there's one person who pops into my consciousness his name was Shamdas there's a big portion of him in the book and he was an American born from Jewish ancestry man and he he went to India when he was 19 years old with all of the Ramdas people. Ramdas is very famous in America. And they went to India to meet this great guru, Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji, they call him. And so Shamdas, I met him when I, it was actually just a few months after my sister passed. So when I met him, I was, I mean, I was raw for many years. It took many years and I can speak about my sister now and not break into tears, but it took quite a long time for that. But with Shandas, it was like this immediate connection. He's a deeply spiritual person. So of course I was very interested because <laughs> I love deeply spiritual people. And he was very generous with his teachings and sharing immediately. His music, his sacred music was incredible. He saw in me my greatest potential before I had ever even realized that that would be a potential. He was a well-wisher. He was very, speaking of equality, he showed the honor and service to all beings. And I knew him for many years before he passed, and I witnessed him in many environments within America and India. He could be talking to the guy who sweeps the temple, or he could be speaking to a great guru who has, you know, a hundred thousand followers. And he showed the same respect to everybody. He didn't change himself for anyone. He was honor. He embodied honor and respect and equality to all beings. And the way he was of service and brought lightness and sweetness and saw greatness in others before they could ever truly recognize it, including myself. And then he introduced me because he'd been living in India for 40 years by the time I met him. He introduced me to some of the most incredible teachers I've had in my life. I bow to him <laughs> as one of my dearest friends and dearest teachers in my life. This, the way that he maneuvered, the way he, he was, he was a very authentic person and really taught me a lot about the equality to all beings. And that's an amazing thing because just think if we were the same to everyone and if we treated each and every person with respect and dignity, then this world would be such a different place. It would be so different. So you empower women through your sessions and your, you give great massages, first <laughs> of all, and your, <laughs> and your meditation and your singing. 
And you're on another path from what I understand. You're on a path of authorship. So you're joining the ranks of being a writer. So tell us how that came about. Yes. So over the years in my travels around the world, I used to write little things in a journal. And there came a point where my mom actually threw away some of my journals when she was clearing out a lot of stuff from the house. And so then I I spoke to my friend and he's like, you've got a lot of journals. I had a lot. And even I didn't realize how many had accumulated over the years. And uh, he's like, well, you should put it in digital form. And I'm like, oh, because I'm so old school. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I like these books with paper and and doodles. the best. Yes. (laughs) And then there was a part of me that was like, oh God, maybe that's, maybe that's true. Maybe I should just put it on digital just to have it as in one place. And then it maybe won't get lost in any cloud anywhere. Right. Right. (laughs) So then I started (laughs) typing it out. And so I start typing out some of these stories of um, some amazing experiences in India. And I was like, wow. I was like, wow, that's wonderful. And then I was like, oh my God, another story. And then all of a sudden, after I'd started recording some of the journals, there was days where I had huge downloads of stories coming to me from my childhood, from my trips in Egypt, China, Tibet. It wouldn't stop. I was eight hours a day on computer. the, The book happened very quickly. And of course, that was like a huge dump. I thought I was doing it purely for my son, actually. Originally, I was like, I'm going to do this. So if I die tomorrow, my son will know who his mother was. And then the lockdown came and something inside of me was like, no, this is for sharing. And because I'm not a writer, (laughs) but somehow I am. Then I got this wonderful woman involved as being an editor for the book. And she became another one of my unconventional teachers of refining and defining the message throughout the book just fine tuning. And without her, I would never have been able to bring the book to the public. But now it's it's not just for my son, it's for sharing. Because at the end of the day, you know, as we spoke about earlier, we are here to inspire one another and your own story, your own truth. So listening to my story, I hope it inspires other people's hearts to really delve deeper into their their story and speak your truth and to for your uniqueness that you are, how wonderful it is. We are all one, but we are all unique as well because God's given us a unique blueprint for this life. We all have some unique gifts, whatever that is, is to share that, to inspire one another and to hold each other's hands along the path and the journey of life. First of all, I can't wait to read it. Second of all, you have joined the ranks of being a writer. You are officially a writer when you start journaling. Journaling is just a pathway to get our thoughts on paper so we can eventually have the courage to share it with others. So I'm so honored and so excited for you that you're able to do that because so many people don't ever get to that point where they feel that they can share their story. There's someone out there who is waiting on your story. There's someone out there that's going to gain strength from your story. There is someone out there who is going to gain courage to share their own story. So I salute you. I am so excited for you. And I am humbled (laughs) that you are here on the Beautiful Butterfly Project to share that announcement with the world. So I am looking forward to this book, as I call all my ladies, Miss (laughs) Ma'am. Thank you. Miss (laughs) Ma'am. (laughs) Miss Ma'am, yes, yes. 
Oh my goodness. I can't stop smiling for you because I know you to be a beautiful soul. And there was one chant that we did last year that I really, really love. And um, forgive me if I can't remember it, but it did have references to, if I'm not mistaken, Krishna. And it was one that was so beautiful that even when I got back here, I was hoping that I'd be able to remember it. So if I'm not putting you on the spot, could you share a verse of that chant with the audience and for me? Because that is one that definitely blessed my spirit. Was it the Sri Krishna Sharanam Mama? Yeah. Yes, so. yes, yeah. yes. If you'd share just just a little yeah, bit. That's of that. from the Loving Grace album. That was my first album, actually. And that chant is very special because it's talking about that refuge in the divine. Shri Krishna Sharanam Mama Shri Krishna Sharanam Mama Shri Krishna Sharanam Mama Shri Krishna Sharanam Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to go find that. Oh, I just love that so much. It's on all of the online platforms. It's on all of them. I know, I can't wait. (laughs) It is on all the online platforms. I cannot wait to run. I'm going to (laughs) run and find that because it's so beautiful. Because it spoke about refuge. It spoke about that safe place. It um, spoke about a place where you can go to find that peace in solitude. You know, because there's a verse in the Bible that talks about going to the place where you find refuge, going to the rock that is higher than yourself to find that peace and that solitude. And I I think that's why I identified with it so much. And you're pursuing your passion through music. You're pursuing your passion through coaching women. And now you're pursuing your passion through your writings. If you had one thing to tell others, to tell other women or to tell other men or human beings about pursuing your passion and living triumphantly, what would that one word of advice be? Spiritual revolution is now. We are the ones we have been waiting for. And we are more than ready, ready to love more, serve more, dance and sing more, live more. This is the time to unite together and dive into the revelation of who you truly are. Love, light, miracles. That is so beautiful. So here on the Beautiful Butterfly Project, there are about three questions that I ask every guest and sometimes they change and sometimes they remain the same. But these three questions kind of leave the nation with a little bit of insight into who you are. So my first question is, what is your favorite color? Red. (laughs) Tell me why red. Well, red, I have always loved red. Um, In the Indian tradition, red is associated with Shakti. So that's the divine feminine. Red is also a very passionate color here in Spain. The Spanish women also love red. It's this fiery woman. That's what it reminds me of. (laughs) Fire woman. We are on fire woman. That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> on fire. <laughs> I love it too. That was actually my theme song for this oh. year. Like this girl is on fire by I Alicia Keys. <laughs> she's just a girl and she's oh, on fire. Yeah. <laughs> that was my theme song. So, so it's so coincidence, um, coincidental that um, you said red because red is a beautiful fiery color. And I think all women, we should embrace that color more. So what is your favorite word? Probably divine. I say it, I think I say it about a thousand times a day. That is okay. That is okay because, because it has meaning. Yeah. And it's at the center of my life. I love it. And if you had one day left here on earth, what would you spend that day doing? I would spend that day chanting and singing. Chanting and singing in the streets, anywhere, everywhere, just chanting and singing. And hopefully my friends and family would join me and just singing and completely, because chanting is crying out to God, singing out to God. It's opening your heart to the divine. And it's really, um, I hope that that's the way that I spend the rest of my life and every day. But, but yeah, that would be certainly if that was my last, last day, I would be singing and dancing everywhere and every street corner <laughs> and every park and every river and anywhere I would just go roaming around singing and dancing in celebration and honor to the divine and creation and even the, the amount of life that God has given me and being in celebration. I absolutely love it. I love it. So Raj Devi, tell the beautiful Butterfly Project, where can we find you on social media? So social media is, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Raj Devi is the name. V-R-A-J-D-E-V-I, Raj Devi. And on all the online uh, music platforms, you'll find my music. So all of them, Spotify, Apple Music. There's, a, I think, a list of 150 online platforms. I'm there. And when is your book coming out? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I've been asked it about 50 times this past week. It's the first week of December 2022. First week in December 2022. And where will it be available? So it's self-published and I'll be doing it through KDP Amazon International, I think. But they told me that there's an option of you can just do it international. So it can be as a paperback or as a Kindle version. And uh, very exciting is that I may have it in Spanish if there's any Spanish really? uh, listeners, because my friend's father said that he would be happy to, to translate Ooh. it. So that will be wonderful if that happens. That is awesome. Plus the blossom. Yeah. I'm so excited for <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, the Beautiful Butterfly Project thanks you for being a guest. And actually, you are the first guest for our third season. Oh, wow. So I am honored that we were able to get together to have this amazing conversation. Thank you so much. And I'm honored to be with you. And thank you for having me on this beautiful butterfly project. <laughs> You're so welcome. In the words of Raj Devi, spirituality is a revolution. And we need to love and we need to live and let's shout and dance <laughs> in the streets, giving honor to the divine and to our creator, God. Thank you so Thank much. You. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found it to be insightful, but most of all, inspiring. If you are interested in being a guest or learning more, please visit our Facebook page at the Beautiful Butterfly Project Podcast. Or email the beautiful butterfly projects at innovativebutterfly.com. 
See you again soon as we take this amazing journey together on the Beautiful Butterfly Project.